0: Maybe be seated. I invite uh, children to uh, children in uh, worship right through this door over here, kindergarten through third grade. Today, um, it's a great combination to have Super Bowl Sunday and communion at the same time. It's just just perfect. Um, and, and it helps uh, because the, the same theme um, will help us both physically and spiritually. Um, that you, you are what you eat. Uh, and, and so today, you know, the Super Bowl, when you're eating that eighth wing, you, you might want to remember, you are what you eat. Or that second helping of chili cheese fries. It's a good thing to remember. You see, that's a good word uh, for you physically um, to remember, you are what you eat, uh, but even more so, as we come to the table here, where we uh, don 't literally eat the body of Christ, but spiritually we come and receive in the power of his holy spirit, his nurturing presence, um, his uh, nurturing of our of our faith, of our soul, uh, spiritually, mystically, uh, as we gather to eat of the body, drink of the blood of Christ. We are what we eat. Because by the power of God and the Holy Spirit, what we've just been, been singing about at the cross, we are made the body of Christ. So we are in this this group, in this room, we are the body of Christ. And what we'll see in our passage today is that we need to st- what Paul challenges us to. You are the body of Christ, so now start acting like it. That's what he charges, what he calls us to today. And, and, and two things, really, that he says, that the body, because you're the body of Christ, then you're called into unity and to maturity, to grow into the love of Jesus all right, so the passage is in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1, found on page 951 in your, your pew Bible. Or you can follow along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your written word. And we thank you for how you, you speak to our heart and to our soul. And we, we ask that your spirit would enable us to hear from you. Not only what is true, but then that your spirit would empower us to do what is right um, and what is good. So uh, lead us and speak to us through your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. um, uh, Starting with uh, verse 1 of chapter 4. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, Beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Right, just to stop there for a moment. Uh, so what, what Paul has, has been doing? He's been um, the first three chapters are really he's presenting. This is who you are. This is what is true. This is your calling. What you've called. What you've been called to be. And so now he turns the corner and says. So now this is what you need to do to act like it to live into the calling for which God has called you. And um, just a, a page before, chapter 1, verse uh, 23, basically says this is what the church is. Ver- chapter 1, 23. The church is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. That, that's not who we're going to be. That is who we are in Christ. That is what He has made us to be. That is what is true for eternity. And so now Paul's saying to us, and challenging the church in Ephesus and challenging us, now let's live into that. Let's act like that church. What what God has called us to be, let's now live in a way that's worthy to that. And so um, this is and then then get to here's some of the details. "...with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." So how, how do we do that? Then how do we act like what, we're, um, what we are? We, we practice then humility, gentleness... And patience. We, we bear with one another. You know, we... You could translate that word, we put up with one another. Uh, and, and we make every effort. We leave no stone unturned. Make every effort to keep that peace that we know is in the Holy Spirit with one another. I mean, this means it is an effort. It, it is work. It is not something that just happens naturally. You know, we don't just come together and all be nice people with one another. That's not how it works. That's not how the body of Christ works. God brings people from all different types and kinds to come together to be unified together, and that is hard work for human beings. It's hard work, so that's that's why he gets at it. And it, what it requires is a humility and gentleness and patience. First, it's a humility and gentleness and patience first with ourselves. There's a humility, gentleness and patience with others, but first with ourselves because of our own biases, our our own implicit, unconscious prejudices and biases that we have, that everybody has. Every human being has them. This is just how we work. I mean, you know, you meet somebody new, in the first half second, you have sized them up. You know, it doesn't matter. It's in some way or another that their body shape or size or color, their hair or lack thereof, or the place of their hair, if it's kept or unkept, I mean, the clothes that they're wearing, how they talk, even the distance that their eyes are from one another. Now, you don't think about it don't think about it at all but that's what that that is how we work um great book called blind spot the the hidden biases of good people um by doc uh, it's dr marjani um uh, she's from harvard got to hear her um this week that talks about how we have these hidden biases not things we're conscious of but just how it works in all kinds of ways um let me give you this riddle now um this, this riddle you may have heard this before um, i'd heard it, heard it before, um, but uh, uh, and if you've heard it before, be quiet don't ruin it for the person that hasn't okay um, uh, and uh, it was a and um, the the father and a son who were traveling to the grocery store in a car God bless you and on their way, there was an accident in the they called the paramedics. They came. The, the father was dead on the, their arrival, but the son was severely injured. They threw him in the ambulance, took him to the hospital. Emergency surgery. As he's on the operating table, the surgeon comes up, looks down and says, I cannot operate on this boy because he's my son. Shh, don't tell anybody. What's the answer to the riddle? I, sh- don't share it," I said. You know what's the what's, what's the answer to the to the riddle? Now, maybe you want to jot down what what you think maybe the answer to, it, just so you're honest with yourself. Well, the answer is that the surgeon is the boy's mother. Yeah, a couple of you just took gut shots, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. 80% of people that hear that rule the first time don't get it. People, yeah, because they... It's called gender bias that we have. It's just... just what, I mean, it's, it's a simple thing, isn't it? I mean, the boy has a mother and a father. You know, so the father's dead and the person says this is my son I can't operate on it not a really huge logical issue there you know, pretty simple st- but yet 80% of folks don't get matter of fact it, the gender bias is so great that today and they've been doing this for 20-30 years uh, what Dr. Marjani said today people are more likely to say the boy has two dads than to say that the surgeon was his mother uh, um, one more. Um, did you know that um, hurricanes, um, which uh, now are named for male and female, you know, female hurricanes are more deadly than male-named hurricanes. Yeah, more deadly. Fe- if they're named, female are more deadly. And that's also because of gender bias. That the male is going to be more violent than the female. And so people don't prepare for female named hurricanes as well as they do for male named hurricanes. Yeah. Again, gender bias. There's I mean just yeah, you know, there are all all kinds of biases. You know, we think people are smarter according to how close their eyes are, or how far apart they are. The closer they, they, they are, the the less intelligent we think they are. There's no correlation between IQ and eyes, but that's just what we think. Now those are just three simple examples of ways that we are biased, that we judge people according to things that are just their external characteristics. And there's just, there's all kinds of ways that we do that. So you see how hard it is to be unified in Jesus when we size one another up in a half second according to their external appearance. That's why we've got to be humble and gentle and patient with ourselves first. Because we're biased. And, and we have blind spots. Even the whole notion of blind spots, doesn't it sort of rub you the wrong way? Don't you want to say, I don't have any blind spots. Well, I don't see any. I don't feel any blind spots. Well, that's why they're called blind spots. And we all got them. particularly about how we unconsciously prejudge others. And that prejudgment has has more to do with our own background, our history, with the, the stuff that surrounds us than it has to do with any kind of logical, conscious thinking or even values that we hold. Our behavior in that way is not in line with the values that we would purport. We must then, if we're to be the body of Christ, this is who we are, and we're learning to live and to be the body of Christ, then we have to be humble and gentle and patient with ourselves. And we see that it takes effort. It takes real effort then to to live into who we are, to to really carry off this, this unity, being the body of Christ. It's not something that just happens naturally. That's one of the reasons that we celebrate African American History Month. One of the ways that we wanted to, to focus um, on that. I, I appreciate it. Now, I remember growing up, first hearing about African American history and saying, I don't get that. You know, so is there African American History Month and a Anglo American History Month? Well, and sort of since then, I've learned, well, Anglo American history is what we call history. <laughs> sort of the history that you grew up with. Uh, and, and, and so what, what you need to do is you need to make every effort. You need, need to, to make the effort to keep that bond of peace. And what that requires is you learning from others that are very different than yourself and see how they view history. And I've shared this, this with you um, before, but it was in that context that I first learned that my history, with my, um, uh, my genealogy and following that back, and folks that came over from England and from France that make up my family, they were praying to Jesus that Jesus would lead them to the promised land and to the land of freedom in America. And it's a great story and it's a beautiful history that a number of you share with me and we celebrate that but in african american history i ran into a number of people who they looked back at their lineage and said no my people they were praying to the same jesus but for something very different they were praying uh, that, that god would release them from this egypt that we call america that had enslaved them so that he would free them to the he would free them from the enslavement into his freedom like ah oh. And you see see the beauty there? That now, because I've engaged with folks and a view of history and, and their history is very different than mine, now my picture of God and the mystery and the power of God has just broadened so much wider. Because we were all praying to Jesus for freedom. But it was from very different ways and journeys. And we see how God's Power and beauty and mystery can bring us all to that freedom. But it takes work to learn and appreciate one another, even though so different in our background and history. And and we do this. Why? We do this because, um, verse verse 4, we do this because there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Can he be any more clear? Can he be any more precise in what he's saying? I mean, one, 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 in all and everything. And so our charge in in growing as the body of Christ is to recognize that the same Spirit of God, the power of God that created the world from nothing, that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. So that one God brings all together. That's why we seek to grow in humility. That's a really important one, that humility. And patience, gentleness, and love for one another so that we might live into who we are as the body of Christ. Now, uh, He saves us, brings us into one body, and then gives us all different gifts and abilities. Um, uh, Verse uh, verse 7. So, but each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each of us was given gifts, grace, according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he's the one that gives. He measures it out. In a sense, it's sort of like we are a product of Jesus' recipe. Jesus is at the counter, the kitchen counter, and and he's measuring out just different abilities, different gifts in different ways to each one of us and and drawing us now together in the same place, in the, the same community, to be his body. I right, jump down to verse 11. Now, the gifts He gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ so so get this. Get what he's doing. Right? He said, you're the body of Christ. Now I'm going to bring different gifts, different abilities. I'm going to measure them out, bring them all, put them in all one big mixing bowl here. And you're going to be in the body of Christ together. But these different gifts and abilities, they come together so that you can equip one another in ministry. And in so doing, you will grow more and more mature. You will grow into the full stature of Christ. You're not going to stay a baby Jesus. We're going to become an adult Jesus. Tal Nights, uh, forgiven on that one. That's uh, the, the movie where he liked praying to baby Jesus. OK. But the reason that he brings differences together is in order to cause friction, so that we'll grow. The word "equip." The word "equip," uh, it, it has the, the meaning to set a bone. So it says here, you know, he's done this to equip the saints for ministry. To, to equip is to, to set a bone. You, you know, um, when a bone breaks, you need to set the bone so at least the bone has to be touching uh, next to, to one another. Here's a, it's a good word. It's a really a good illustration. You know, when there is a brokenness in relationships, then there has to at least be touching in some way for it to then grow back together. And so you set the equipping is setting the bone, putting the bone back to, um, together so that then it can heal and strengthen and become whole and become stronger even than it was beforehand. Now I've been one time in the emergency room when my daughter's bone was set, when she broke her leg. It was not a happy thing. It was a lot of effort for that doctor to grab her leg and put it back in place, and it caused a whole lot of pain to everybody in the room. She cried, I fainted. (laughs) But it takes some work to set the bone. And that's what he's doing by bringing us... Together, he he gives us these differences for our own good, in order to mature us, so that we won't stay as a baby, but will grow up into the fullness of Christ. See his his so he. And that's really what we've been talking about during this this whole series, that that God unifies us for a purpose. He unifies us so that we are together and we are a force for righteousness and justice and goodness in our world, that we come together and engage the evil around us together as one. He unifies us for for evangelism so that, that we are part of the same team, that we are engaging with folks and helping folks along the way on their journey into faith. And today, what we find, and why everyone is needed, everyone, with all of their differences, with all of our different gifts that God has measured out, we need everyone so that we can reach the fullness of our maturity. If we're all alike, our maturity is stunted. Our growth is stunted. That's why He brings the difference. And why, it's why it's so important that when we face those differences that we don't run and hide and isolate, but that we stay and engage and learn and mature. That's why we need one another in our discipleship, in our growing and our maturing in Jesus, that it can't be done alone. We have to have one another. Now, he summarizes it uh, then at the the very very end, uh, verses 15 and, and 16. Well, let, me, let me read 14 too. Well, this, this tells you why he matures us. We must, he, he matures us, brings us to the full stature of Christ. Verse 14, and We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. See, that it's so that now we are prepared as a community to go into the world and stay strong in Christ. With all the lies of the world, and the lies of our own blind spots, and the lies of the devil himself, why we're unified in order to develop our own maturity, so that we become as as, as an adult, as a as a community. And then he summarizes uh, verse fifteen: "But speaking the truth in love." See that really sort of summarizes that whole beginning part: that we speak the truth to one another in love, in in, in humility, in gentleness, in patience. We speak the, the truth to one another in love. We must grow up in every way into Him who is the head. So again, he's, he's leading us so that we are growing up into Christ. So our direction is into Him. But then the next passage says, Because it's from Him that we get the very power to mature and grow together. So it's from whom, verse 16 the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly. See, every one is needed working properly. That promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. So we often talk about church growth and we talk quantitatively, you know, numbers. But what Paul is talking about here in this situation isn't quantity as it is quality. Are we growing in the sense of deepening and maturing by demonstrating the love of Jesus? And as we do that with ourselves and with one another, then that matures us and prepares us to do it in the world that is around us. That's why he calls different people together to be unified in Jesus. It's when we have different political commitments and we come together, well, that's when we mature. It's when we have very different backgrounds and histories, uh, very, very, very different understandings of other things of the world that we come together in Jesus. That's when the bone gets set. That's when we practice and grow in gentleness and humility and love. And that's what, why He calls us to be unified for our maturity as a people. Everybody is needed. Everybody helps. And as we are unified as the body of Christ, that's when we become what we eat. Amen.